0: All right, Hosea chapter 11, verse number 1, and it reads as follows. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of man and bands of love. And I was to them as they that take the yoke of the, on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. And he shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the, the Assyrian shall be his king, because they, they refuse to return. And the sword shall abide on the cities, and shall consume his branches, and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they, are, though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboin? My heart is turned within me. Repent, my repentings are kindled together. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. They shall walk after the Lord, he shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. They shall tremble as a bird out of Egypt and as a dove out of the land of Assyria. And I will place them in their houses, saith the Lord. Let's pray before we look at these verses today. Dear God, thank you for your Bible that we have to learn from it. May you be with this whole church today as we try to learn uh, as much as we can from your word and be with me as I try to speak your word. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Continue now with our study of the book of Hosea. If you remember the past uh, chapters, from chapters four to 10, we've been really looking through a lot of... uh, The uh, prophecy of Hosea. What message God had Hosea tell to the people of Israel. And we've been seeing basically a consistent theme, right? A consistent theme that Israel had done wrong and there's a punishment coming, a judgment coming, right? They were given a chance to repent. It was prophesied that they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't repent, so it was that there'd continue to be judgment. Judgment against them, serious judgment, horrible judgment, right? We've been reading it recently about all the things that God is promising, the bad stuff that's coming to Israel. All that's been laid out here in these verses. Last time when we studied chapter 10, chapter 10 told us one of the reasons why this judgment is coming, right? And I go went back to one of our old principles, right? Our old Bible principles that we reap what we sow, right? They sowed the wind; they reaped the whirlwind, right? Israel's sin had set up this judgment coming from God—the judgment that you know that that they deserve, quite frankly, right? It was uh, unavoidable. So that's what we've been talking about the past couple chapters, right? It's all been doom and gloom, judgment, and all this kind of stuff. But chapter 11, which we look at today, has a bit of a shift, a shift in tone, a reminder for Israel about who their God is. I would say that chapter 11 really talks about God's love and mercy, a reminder for the people of Israel that we do have a loving God a merciful God. And it's a reminder for us as well that we have a loving God and a merciful God, notwithstanding all this talk about judgment, punishment, curse on their land, being conquered, all those things. I think the problem for Israel is that they had forgotten. They'd forgotten who their God was. They'd forgotten how merciful and loving He is. And I think He puts this in here as a reminder to them and as a reminder to us. So let's look at chapter 11 in a little bit of detail now. First, there's a few things that kind of pop out at me as we go through these verses right here. It starts off in chapter, uh, chap- verse number one. Verse number one, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. So in this verse here right here, we have a call back to the past, a reminder to Israel of where you had been, Remember, way back when we studied, when you guys have studied the book of Exodus, you remember that children of Israel start off as slaves, right? In Egypt. That was their original state, right? That they were in slavery. But God called them out of Egypt, right? Out of Egypt, I had called my son, right? I've called my children, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. If you remember the stories of how Moses led those children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, a reminder to them a reminder, hey, this is what I have done for you right remember you guys were in the lowest of the low position slaves right no rights, no freedom and God led them out of that right let's remember that remember how loving our God was also though also interesting this verse and this is a side note about this verse about how loving God was in the past this is also Prophetic. Right? So it's prophetic. There's also some about the future when God uses this verse right here. When he talks about out of I've called my son out of Egypt. Now that phrase might sound familiar to you guys, especially now as we're getting ready for the, the Christmas season. There'll be like choir practices today, right? In the Christmas season, if you guys have a good memory of the Christmas story, these words might sound familiar. Right? Look really quickly, we're not gonna talk about a lot about today, at Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. You remember in the story of Matthew, right? The three wise men came to see uh, baby Jesus. And we know that Herod was on the lookout to kill, to kill Jesus, right? And we know that the family they fled into Egypt as a result, right? To stay away from Herod's judgment, right? And it says in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 2, it says what? And was there, meaning the family, Jesus and his family, was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Which prophet was that? Well, we just read it a second ago, the Hosea, right? So not only did the country of Israel come out of Egypt to freedom, Jesus came out of Egypt. Jesus, God's own son, right? Out of Egypt I have called my son. This is also prophetic. Right? There's a lot of good stuff in these minor prophets. You know, people say like, "Oh, there's nothing good there." You know, it's so obscure. No, this is talking about Jesus. The prophecies of Jesus, very important for our knowledge as Christians, right? And even this time that this verse right here talks about the historical Son being called out of Egypt and the future son being called out of Egypt. The historical freedom from slavery out of Egypt and in the future, freedom from what? What did Jesus give us freedom from? Freedom from sin, right? We were slaves to sin. But because God called Jesus out of Egypt, Jesus was there for us to take the place of our sins. To give us freedom from sin. We're not slaves to sin anymore because out of Egypt have I called my son. But even though God reminded them of this, uh, of this great thing that he did for them and this great thing that he's going to do for them, what happened? What happened? Verse 2, it says, they still did stuff like sacrifice unto Balaam. They burned incense to graven images, right? And we've talked about all the sin of Israel, we won't go into detail this time, but we know that they did not do right, even though God had blessed them in the past, right? But what does he say here? Verse number 5, again, something historical and something prophetic. Verse number 5, he shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king. Right? If you remember, again, from the study of Exodus, when Moses was leading the children of Israel out, there are many people that weren't happy, right? What did they say? They say, oh boy, I wish you could go back to Egypt. Things are better in Egypt, right? That's what some of them told Moses when he was leading them through the wilderness for so many years. Wouldn't it be better if we were back in Egypt, right? But we know from history and from the Bible that they didn't go back to Egypt, right? They did not, they did not return into the land of Egypt. That's a historical fact. God led them forward regardless, right? And, again, it's not just historical. It's also prophetic. Prophetic. In that, you know, even in those days, people still knew that Egypt was a big country, a powerful country. But the children of Israel were never conquered back by Egypt, right? Egypt didn't invade them or whatever, right? That they did not return to the land of Egypt. What happened instead? The Assyrian shall be his king. And then we know from history, that's what happened. It was the Assyrians that conquered that whole area. Once again, we see fulfilled prophecy in the Bible. We know the Bible is true because God said something, predicted something, and it came to pass. 100% accuracy in the Bible when it comes to prophecy. And again, we see yet another example. There's so many examples that we could never spend time just uh, listing it off in one message or whatever, right? But I point out here again that he said the Assyrians were coming. And we know from history, it was many years down the line, but that was true. The Assyrians took over that area, right? And verse number six and so on just confirm this right that the sword of those Assyrians were on their city and this is because why in verse 7 we talked about this many times they were a black sliding people a backsliding people but let me call your attention now to verse number eight and nine eight and nine because again the theme of this chapter is not about just again talking more about how bad Israel was and how my judgment is coming God wants to point out this that he is indeed a loving and caring God. Verse number eight, God says this, how shall I give thee up, Ephraim? Remember, when we see Ephraim again, when we talk about it in Hosea, also means Israel, right? How shall I give these up? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? We see God here struggling, asking himself these rhetorical questions. How can I give you up? This reminds me of what I feel sometimes as a parent, Right? When I have frustration at my own children, right? Because this happens a lot. And those of you guys who are parents, you know this, right? Sometimes your kids do something that's really bad, right? That really drives you nuts. That you wish they did not do, right? And you get angry at them, right? How do you feel when you get angry at your kids, right? Sometimes, I feel so angry, I say stuff like this, and maybe because we're Chinese, right, that's the way we say it. We say like, we wish that you are not part of my family, right, you're so bad, I don't want to recognize you as my son or my daughter, you know, I wish you could just get out of my house, or this and that, right? And maybe some of your parents have said that to you in the past, right? And I've certainly <laughs> said stuff like that to my son and my daughter when they're really bad, out of anger, right? You say, get out so bad right kick you out whatever something like that but we know in the heart of hearts and i know in my heart of hearts even though i might say that and get so angry at whatever bad thing these kids have done the reality is, I am not actually going to literally open the door and kick out Samantha and Andrew and lock the door and say, See you never, right? Bye-bye, you're really not my kid anymore, right? Yeah, no, no one does that. You sure remember your parents and they got angry at you and they said all this stuff about how horrible you were. They never once ever just said, Oh, I'm gonna drop you off at the fire station or the police station and go, uh, go have fun now with your new life, right? No, people don't do that. Parents don't. Why that? Why is that? Because at our very heart of hearts, We still love our kids, right? No matter what they do, right? All the bad stuff that they do, whatever they broke in the house, whatever thing they disobeyed, whatever bad thing they said, in the end, we still love them. They are still our kids, our children. And it's frustrating sometimes. We sound like God, right? God says, how shall I give thee up Ephraim, right? Sounds like me all. How can, I just, how can I just abandon you, my kids, right? No, you can't do that, right? But you still feel so frustrated, right? That's how God felt about the children of Israel, his children, right? His own chosen people, that they were so frustrating to him. But what did he say? He says in verse 9, because they are his children, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God, the Holy One in the midst of thee, right? God's holy, God loves his children. He told them, you know what? I'm not gonna totally 100% destroy you and leave you, you know, whatever, you know, done forever. Now we know, of course, we've been studying this whole book that certainly there'll be judgment, right? And certainly there'll be punishment, right? Just in the same way any parent would punish a child for doing bad. But there's a promise here too, that they will not be totally destroyed, they will not be left alone, they will not be abandoned, right? What's more than that, what does God promise in verse number 10 and 11? In verse number 10 and 11, he promises this about Israel. They shall walk... They will become a time where they shall walk after the Lord, shall roar like a lion. This is prophetic now. This is talking about the future. And this actually goes into something that you know, we won't go into detail today because it's something that uh, Nathan is talking about, right? When he talks about the book of Revelation, right? We know that in the future, the time will come when Israel will roar like a lion, right? When the children of Israel will come back and recognize their God, right? That's coming up in the future. And details of that, like I said, there's even more prophecy about that that folds right in to the book of Revelation. Again, God's book is perfect. Folds in together so well. That's what is coming in the future. That no God is a loving God. He's not abandoning Israel. Sure, he's going to judge them and punish them for now. But in the future, you know, we know that he's always going to be by their side. Now... One more point about God's love and mercy. Really pointed out, I think, in verses 1 to 4. So we'll look a little bit more in detail in verses 1 to 4 before we finish up today. About all the examples of how God cared for Israel and how Israel didn't realize it. They didn't even realize it, right? We can see this through the verbs that God chooses to use in describing what he did for Israel. The verbs, right? In verse number 1, the verb here is the word called. God called Israel right Israel didn't have to do something God called out to them God did it right God was one that called them out of Egypt God was one that freed them you know it's the same way for us too this this message is applicable to us too that we ought to remember how God loves us and what God did for us that sometimes we Forget that sometimes we take for granted that God called us, right? That our salvation is through God's call, not through anything that we did. we talked about this a couple weeks ago, if you were there for my message about this, right? That God's grace alone is what gets us salvation. It's nothing that we do, right? We can't do anything to earn our salvation, to get into God's good graces. It's only through His call to us. That he comes to us. That he washes away our sins. Right? He did all the work. He called to us to be saved. He just asked us to come, believe in me. And then we get it. In the same way, he called out to Israel. Follow me, I'll lead you out of this place. I'll lead you out of Egypt. He's telling them to remember that. Let's look at the next word we have here. Let's look about... Uh, In verse number three, verse number three, the verb here is taught. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms. Taught them to go. Now, when you hear the word here, in verse number three, when you talk about to go, to go means to move, right? He taught them how to move and took him by the arm. It's kind of like how a parent, right? A parent teaches a child. How to go when teaching them how to go taught to teach them how to walk right when you teach your child how to walk it's the same thing as it says in this verse here you take them by the arm right you take them by the arm and teach them how to walk right this is a lesson that all of you guys got from your parents and this is a lesson that we as parents teach our children right you teach them how to walk it's something basic and fundamental it's something that we do as a responsibility because human children don't know how to walk, right? If you look at other like animals and stuff, right? The horse does not need to learn how to walk, right? When they're born, within the first few hours, the horse already can move around and walk and everything like that. Humans are different, right? We need someone to guide us, right? But we never think, oh, And I bet you guys have never thought about this either. I haven't thought about this until I looked at these verses today, recently, right? You never thought like, oh, I'm so thankful that I had a parent to teach me how to walk, right? No one ever thought that, right? But it's true. Without your parents teaching you something so basic as how to walk, we wouldn't know how to walk, right? We'd just be stuck on the floor all day long, right? Maybe we'd learn how to crawl. I don't know. We'd be babies forever, right? In the same way... After God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, he taught them, didn't he? He had prophets. He had Moses. He gave them instruction. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the law. He told them everything they needed to know about him. Right? Everything was laid out for them. You can look right here in the stone tablets. This is what Moses said. Ten Commandments, right? All this stuff. He taught them. He guided them. It's not just, oh, I took you out, that's it. He was there teaching them, guiding them along the way. And he's here for us today, too. That's not just he called us to follow him and get saved. He teaches us. He's given us the Bible to learn from. He's given us the church to learn from. He's given us brothers and sisters in Christ to learn from. He teaches us his ways. He's a caring God, a loving God that wants us, To follow his ways. He teaches. Point number three. Verb number three. Also in verse number three. He healed them. Healed. Right? He healed them. We know from the story of Moses. When they were wandering around the wilderness. They would have stuff like diseases. Right? They had diseases. They had problems. Who cured those diseases? Who helped them in the time of need? It was God. God. God healed them, right? God took care of those diseases and plagues and stuff like that. It was God. A reminder that they may have forgotten, right? The children may have forgotten after so many years about all the great healing work that God had done. And likewise, a reminder for us when we think about our own health. How important is our health to us? think about all the times when we are not sick, not having such a horrible, you know, you know disease or some of that it's kind of again something we take for granted now that we live in the 21st century where so many diseases and and things have been eradicated right and don't exist anymore i think people are a lot more appreciative and thankful in even like a hundred years ago when people had to worry things like oh is my kid gonna get polio right or get measles or you know whatever other diseases that nowadays we think, oh, we get vaccinations, we'll never get these diseases, right? We don't have to worry about that. You know, our kids won't die from these diseases. Well, back even 100 years ago, there's such a, such a big risk all the time, right? That, oh, we could get this disease, you could die. The mortality rate is so high among even little kids and stuff like that, right? The life expectancy was so low. Even though we're apart from that, Let's always remember to thank God, our healer, for that. Our health. Our health comes from God. Whatever it is, God is the one watching over us. Next verb. Number, verse number four. Verse number four. Here's a weird one, right? It says, I will take off the yoke on their jaws. Take off the yoke on their jaws. Now, this requires a little bit. And I'm, not a, I'm not a horse person, right? But if those guys that are horse people, you guys know We'll know this a little bit better, right? So you have the... When you ride the horse and the horse is pulling your cart, right? You have to put the yoke and there's like a bit that they stick in their mouth, right? That you put this whole contraption over their mouth and it, and it connects back to the cart and you, you ride it and that's how you make the horse go, right? And so you can imagine after the horse has been riding for miles and miles, you want the horse to get a break and you want to go drink some water, right? And if the horse... had this whole contraption and you're still sitting on the horse and you got the thing over the horse's mouth and all that and you tell him to go drink a water i think the horse could still drink right but it'd be very uncomfortable for the horse he's got the stuff on his head and his mouth and hooked up to the cart and to you and all that kind of stuff like that but what if you did this what if you did this what if you took off that thing right off the horse's head and disconnected it from the cart right take that yoke off their jaw and then say, okay, go drink that water. Ah, then the horse could very easily get that water. It would be very comfortable and relaxed to drink that water. So it was that God is with us, a reminder to the children of Israel of how he had relieved them of past burdens, relieved them of past burdens and given them that time of refreshment, refreshment, just like you're drinking this water. get you know to get this refreshment right likewise for us he's given us spiritual refreshment right that we know that we have all the burdens of life surely surely we have all these burdens that go on right life's not easy right we have all the stresses in the world right all the hard work in the world just to live and survive and all the things that are driving us crazy on a day-to-day basis but we know that we can turn to god any time for that same type of refreshment because we have the holy spirit the holy spirit is in us to recharge us to replenish us that we can take our time in prayer and devotion and know that ah god i can relax i have this time with you you've given that to us aren't we shouldn't be thankful that we have that from our god final point as we're running out of time here Uh, the final verb here is I laid meat unto them I laid meat unto them a reminder to Israel that he fed them right how did God feed them? quite literally giving them manna from heaven right had they forgotten that? had they forgotten how great God was that he provided for all of Israel's need even to the point of giving them miraculous food on a day to day basis yeah they had forgotten that right (laughs) right God fulfilled their every need, yet they didn't remember. They turned away from him. They turned to idols, and they turned to graven images and all these things. Likewise, today, sometimes we forget all the things that God provided for us in our earthly needs. Let's be honest here. I know most of you guys. I know everyone here. I don't think anyone here is starving. I don't think anyone here is homeless. And if you are, let me know. We'll help you out, right? We're brothers and sisters, sure. We'll help you out if you're homeless or you're starving or whatever. But my understanding is everyone here, you have a roof over your head. You got food to eat. You've got no worries. God has provided for you. God's blessed you. But how often do we thank God for that? How often do we remember God for that? Not often. You see, that's where they went wrong. They forgot God's love and mercy, Israel. They forgot it. They took it all for granted. They didn't remember all this stuff like, oh, he saved me years ago coming out of Egypt. He he taught me so many years ago out of Egypt. He provided us food when we were coming out of Egypt. He provided us healing when we were coming out of Egypt. He provided us all this stuff. They forgot it. They went the wrong way. Do we forget it? Do we remember? God saved us. God gave us instruction on how to live. God gives us good health. God gives us food. God gives us spiritual refreshment. He gives us all these things that we forget about. I forget about all the time. I don't pray every day, God, I'm so thankful that I have a roof over my head. God, I'm thankful every day that I'm not sick today. We got to remember that. When we remember that, we don't go into the wrong path that led to all this judgment and backsliding and idolatry and all these things. We remember our God, our great God. I think that's what we have here in verse number, chapter number 11. We're out of time now. The bell rang, so let's bow for a word of prayer. And we'll talk more about Israel next time and Judah next time, too. Dear God, thank you for chapter 11 in the book of Hosea here teaching us an important lesson about how much you love us. You loved Israel. You're merciful toward them. You love us. You're merciful toward us. Help us to remember that always. And hopefully by remembering that, we don't fall in that same mistake that Israel did. That we remember you and that we are inspired to do right by you. Thank you for this lesson, Lord. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.